welcome back to Gen Z's Digital Decalogue. I'm your host, Shivani Murgatron. A little bit about our guest of honor today. Layla Murad is the founder of Colorfully Conscious, a safe space for people to share and express their truths and honest experiences. I'll leave a link to her podcast in the description. Murad just retired from her position as the Director of Marketing and Strategy for LookUp's Youth Leadership Council, where she helped organize and spoke at the Youth for Youth I Summit. She is currently pursuing her bachelor's degree in forensic psychology and minoring in social entrepreneurship at John Jay College of Criminal Justice, where she is also on the women's soccer team. Additionally, she is a part of Wall Street Journal's Noted Advisor cohort and is a wellness and mindfulness coach. Hey, Layla, how are you doing today? Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. So just to kick things off, I'd love to start off with a little icebreaker type thing with a kind of rapid fire of a few general questions. So if it's cool with you, I'll go ahead and start those. Okay, yeah, let's get started. <laughs> All right. So what is your favorite shape, if you have one? Oh, I would have to say an eclipse. Oh, wait, an ellipse. <laughs> okay, that's cool. That's cool. Um, would you rather be a caterpillar or a butterfly? Oh, I would definitely have to be a butterfly. All right, awesome. Um, would you rather be infamous in history books or be forgotten after your death? Which is kind of a little deep. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, definitely the first one. I, I refuse to be forgotten. <laughs> okay, I can respect that, totally. And then our last one. Would you rather go through life unable to forget anything ever or go through life unable to remember anything? Hmm. I would have to say unable to forget anything. Yeah, I would probably say the same thing too. All right. Hey, I love this question. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So now to sort of kick off the discussion, I'd love to start off by going back to you a little bit and learning a little bit more about you. So how has your college experience been like so far and what is your sort of field of interest? Yeah, so I have not always been where I'm at. I started my college experience at Drake University in Des Moines, Iowa. Um, I'm originally from Kansas City, Kansas. So I started my journey there, wasn't playing soccer, was just still pursuing psychology. Um, and then I was like, you know what, I miss soccer. Let me see what I can do to get back into it. So did some research um, and was able to secure a spot where I'm currently at uh, in New York City uh, at John Jay College and love it there. Love playing on the women's soccer team there and really also being in the city. And my field of interest is still 100 percent psychology but now it's more geared towards forensic psychology and social entrepreneurship so very much so mental health everything mental health and how to actually you know maybe start your own business uh, in that field that can impact others that sounds really cool and what kind of sparked your interest in psychology I took a class in high school, a psychology class in high school, and I was like, there's literally nothing else I could imagine studying for four years or so, and 
no one talks about this enough and some people you know they disregard psychology and like oh it's not a science oh oh it's easy and everything like that so very much so wanted to go against um the status quo and be like let me prove you wrong and show you that it does matter and it's just it's so interesting the way that we work and learning about other people and everything that we are yeah, I mean, that's great. I, I don't know why psychology gets that rep because it's definitely something that a lot of my friends are studying too. Um, I'm going to be a freshman in college this year, which is kind of crazy. But yeah, I mean, psychology is definitely a really fascinating subject. And how does that sort of relate to what sparked your interest in digital well-being advocacy and advocating for mental health? Right. So I believe it started when I first watched The Social Dilemma. I immediately was impacted by that. And I was like, how can I get involved as soon as possible? Did some research, became a detective, reached out, saw that they, it was around like 2020, I believe, and wanted to reach out. I think I reached out to Susan and was like, hey, how can I get involved? And she encouraged me to apply for the, what's it called? Um, the, oh, the Look Up Innovators um, contest or where they select you and I didn't get selected, but then came a part of the leadership lab and learning everything that they were doing to speak about, you know, digital well-being and how social media is impacting our lives, our brains, our psychology, and our interactions with others. And I feel like even people I'm friends with and people I talk to, my friends and family, they don't know that they're literally being manipulated by, I mean, by um, social media. And I was like, I need, this needs to be, get out there. I want to talk. I want to advocate for this. Um, because especially as you know, the younger generations come and who are literally born into um, social media, it's important that they know what's happening and that their feelings, the way that they feel is not necessarily their fault. And it's, they're being designed to feel this way. And so the big tech companies know exactly what they're doing to make them feel certain ways. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's awesome. And I think um, I can totally relate to that story because I think the social dilemma was just a catalyst for so many young people who are interested in digital well-being in general. Um, and for those of you guys who don't know, the social dilemma is a documentary on Netflix that highlights sort of the negative effects of social media from the perspective of how algorithms can manipulate people and how it can affect their mental health. So it's definitely a really good watch for anyone who hasn't seen it yet. And so kind of jumping off of what you just said, Layla, um, what is Colorfully Conscious and when did you create this platform? Yes, so I created it about, um, I wanna say over a year ago now or about a year. And I wanted to create a safe space for me to just share my output outside of social media and wanted to create a platform where I'm able to speak from my heart and kind of talk about outside of the box narratives and mental health. And I talk about social media detoxing and everything. I talk a little bit about astrology, anything that I'm passionate about or something that I want to talk about more that or I love topics that don't get talked about enough. 
um, just really kind of building a safe space for people to, you know, relate to it. And I wasn't expecting to get so much love and feedback from it, but people are like, you know, I really like what you talk about. Um, I thank you for talking about these topics. Um, here's, can you talk about these topics? Cause maybe some people are still scared to speak up about things that are on their chest. So I kind of wanted to curate a platform where I'm not afraid to speak up about it and no one can tell me, no, you can't say that because it's mine. So, <laughs> yeah, that's great. I mean, I, I actually follow you. And so, um, when you like put up like reels or like small videos where you're kind of talking to the camera, um, I really, really like those because I feel like social media is very, it's very like you're put, people are putting forth this idealized view of life and their lives. And I just love how candid you are. Like you just come up there, you turn on a camera and you're just like, you're very real. And it makes, it makes me want to listen to what you have to say because it's relatable. And I think your followers and people who listen to your podcast also really, you know, appreciate that. So thank you for creating something that people can relate to that way. Thank you. I'm gonna cry. (laughs) Um, So where did the idea for Colorfully Conscious come from? Like what motivated you to start it? Mm, that's a great question I again I just think I wanted a place where I could speak uninhibitably and from the heart and kind of take it off you know if Instagram were ever to go down or become different um they could people could always find me there and it's Mm -hmm. something that I've kind of taken a break from it but I'm getting started again and I I just wanted I just wanted to talk, you know, and I feel like whenever I do a podcast, maybe you can relate to this whenever it's like you're not talking to nobody, but at the same time, you're just talking to yourself, um, but you feel like people are listening and you're reaching different people from all around the world. And it's it's just another way to grow your network, but at the same time, just let your feelings and your words just fly and hopefully someone will catch them. Yeah, I mean, that's great. Um, What are some conversations that young people can have with themselves to improve their mindfulness and mental health? Yeah, so not to relate this back to digital tech, but since we are on this platform, I think one of the first questions you can ask yourself since you're already here for one reason or another, um, what is your screen time? And how would you consider your life more screen time or more real time? Um, Are you spending more time on your screen than you are with your family? Are you spending more time on Instagram than you are reading a book or going outside? When's the last time you spent an hour outside? I don't, you can come up with excuses about how it's too hot, it's too cold, this and that, but when's the last time you genuinely intentionally spent time outside and off your screen? Um, Those are definitely some mindfulness hacks and um, things to get you thinking that are digital based because everything that you do outside of your screen, I would consider mindfulness because at this point we're just sucked into uh, instant gratification and constantly looking at other people and just like on screens, whether that's TV, TV counts as screen time, your computer counts as screen time. it's not just your phone as well. So just to be mindful of your screens and can we spend more real time instead of screen time? 
Yeah, I think that's a very interesting point. And I feel like another thing is like social media and just screen time in general, I think. Um, the, I guess one of the biggest pros is all of the perspectives that you get to see. But also as a young person, it kind of, at least for me, it was a little confusing at one point as to what my values are. What do I believe? Because there's this influx of so many people's ideas and values and beliefs and morals that are kind of being thrown at you. And I was like, well, what do I believe now? And so mm. I physically had to take out a notebook and I had to say, I had to write down like a value or something and then write what I thought about it just so I could be firm about it in my head. Um, just because there was just this influx of, of everybody kind of saying something. And I was like, I really want to tackle down what it means to be me and what I believe. So that was definitely an interesting thing that I had to do to personally find that balance. A hundred percent. 100%. It's easy to lose yourself in a world that seems to revolve around other people but yourself. Um, and I was wondering, why do you think mental health is such a large issue today among youth? The word issue is an issue. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't think that it's an I mm, Mental yeah, health is very... That then. I think what I mean by issue is like um, a lot of organizations, the US government at some point too, declared it like a national emergency for youth mm -hmm. mental health because rates of you know, suicide and depression were so high among our young people. And I was wondering what your thoughts were on maybe the reasoning behind that and why something like that may be spiking at this point, if that's maybe a better way to word it. Okay, yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> I believe from, I can only speak from my perspective, but I don't think, mental health, the term even mental health is still very much stigmatized and okay. people do not take it seriously. So whether it's your little cousin coming up to you and telling you, you know, their feelings and how they feel and you disregard that, or it's your parents being like, you know what, they're not listening to you and how you feel and taking your feelings seriously and your mental health seriously and so then you just kind of get disregarded or at the workplace and you're like this person really stresses me out I have anxiety whenever I show up to work around this specific person um, and you maybe you can or you can't take it to HR and you're like it's it's every it's within the family, it's outside of work, it's at school, it's, you know, it's, it's everywhere. And yet it still manages to get overlooked or brushed under the rug and not taken seriously. Because when we speak up about our feelings and how we feel, whether it's at work or at home or online, um, you know, people just, you know, just scroll this next. And it's like, no, can we really, can we you dive deep into that um, and then we can go into another facet of where are the mental health accessibilities accessible um, how accessible is therapy how realistic quote-unquote is therapy how expensive is therapy um, how many school counselors are there available at at your local school how what's the difference of availability in private schools and public schools and are they equally accessible um, do we make it a safe space at home how do we build safe spaces at home to develop these feelings where we can talk with our sister or with our mother about it um, how do we like there's so much that goes into it but it's still like 
what's the root issue is we're not being heard and our feelings aren't aren't being taken seriously and so it's like how do we develop a seriousness about us you know and how we feel and so I think that's the, the biggest issue is that we're not taking ourselves seriously which causes us not to take you know our young ones seriously or how we feel at work seriously or at school and just creates a snowball effect maybe that was more than you wanted to hear but no no that was great <laughs> yeah and I, I definitely think that's an interesting point um I think one of the things that I've just you know heard in general that people just tend to say is that everyone has a different degree of tolerance, I would say, when it comes to their mental health, if that makes sense. Like, for example, what someone would classify as something that's, you know, being a problem to them or something that's bothering them would be like a part of the daily life of somebody else. And so everyone has a different threshold for what they can manage, so to speak. Do you think that's kind of a universal thing? Yes, but then I also believe that it kind of creates a separation so okay. it's like well yes but I feel this differently and to this extent where you maybe only feel that a little bit and it's like yeah you're right but it doesn't mean I don't feel it at all okay. and it doesn't mean I can't relate because then we come back to well you're not alone mm. even if we're on varying degrees and maybe you feel it more than I do it doesn't mean that I don't feel it at all yeah, I, okay, I see what you're saying. And what are your thoughts about like the way it's brushed off in schools and universities as a college student yourself? I mean, I recently attended my school's like freshman orientation and um, I'm going to Georgia Tech and Georgia Tech is kind of like, um, especially over here, it's kind of known for like, sometimes the mental health is not the best there. Like there have been kind of instances where students have, you know, made kind of, decisions that were based off of mental health issues that they were facing and so you know one of the major things that they discussed at my orientation like they had this whole presentation about mental health about all these resources that we could reference and honestly I think that kind of scared me a little bit because of how much they were emphasizing it and so how do you think like colleges deal with mental health and do you think that's effective for students? Uh, obviously each college is different but right. something that I I still think it's not effective enough. Some mm -hmm. do offer, I know mine does offer some free, um, you can talk to a counselor for free, but there's also comes back to a lack of funding, I think on all realms and all colleges. Uh, how many, is it, are we employing enough psychologists and therapists and counselors to equate to the number of students that we have and how, do we advocate, hey, is it free? Um, do you only get three sessions free? Do you make it a safe and comfortable environment for us to feel safe enough to be like, knock on a stranger's door while you know some of us are alone at college and be like, hey, I need to talk. Um, I notice sometimes that the only time that it gets like sent out in an email or mentioned is like when there's a passing of a student and it's yeah. like, hey, if you like need someone to talk to or, if you if you need help, like I remember even in high school, like the library is open like during this hours if you wanna come and like let your feelings out and it's like, what? <laughs> like, no, no, I don't get my, yes, maybe I do wanna come let my feelings out, but I shouldn't get notified to come talk to a person or a counselor only at the time of death. 
Right. And that's that's something I've noticed along colleges is it's very it's that's really the only time that it's like encouraged or emphasized. And there's not like I think they've they're gotten better because of how serious it is and how it mental health is on the rise and it is kind of a, a pandemic in itself. And yeah. but there's definitely needs to be more awareness and advocacy around colleges on the college campus and the students' mental health. Yeah, I definitely think that's a very interesting point. Um, when I was in high school, when I was a senior in high school, so like this year, um, unfortunately in our school, we had an instance of suicide. And so that was when our counselors sort of came out. They opened up the library and they said, if you want to chat, you can come in. And so it was kind of a reactive thing. They had that open for about a day or two. And then, right. you know, back to, back to normal operations. And so that was definitely eye-opening for me because, you know, everyone sympathized and everyone was upset for maybe two days and then everything just went back to routine, which is definitely crazy to think about. Um, but yeah, kind of related to that, I know there is generally this stigma, um, and we, you talked about this earlier, but kind of a stigma against seeking help. Like, even personally for me, I mean, unless I was like rock bottom, like I you know, like I just, I didn't, like I couldn't figure it out. I, I've asked every single human being I know. Maybe then I would try, but again, there's always this little thing that's like, no, you don't need to, you figure it out, you know? So what do you say about that sort of stigma? How do you think that's ingrained into the way we look at mental health? Uh, I know a common phrase that gets passed around in the mental health area is, it's okay to ask for help. Um, but I don't think it gets talked about how scary and intimidating and thought provoking it is to even take that step to say, hey, I need help. And how can we build this self-awareness, which also I, I could talk about self-awareness all day. Um, how do we build this self-awareness within ourselves to recognize that we need help? And how much are you going to put yourself through to realize, hey, I can't do this alone. I probably do need help and even like help I think people can take it to the extreme and be like I need to go get a psych evaluation and like I need help or I just need someone to talk to which is more common than we think it's just like we need someone who can just listen and hear us like we just want to be heard sometimes and that's hard it's hard because then we it comes down to like trust issues and like vulnerability and I will always always say vulnerability is a strength not a weakness as much as it may make you feel weak in the moment to open yourself up and cry or yell or scream or whatever it is you need to do but recognizing that it makes you stronger. Like after, I don't know if you've ever like released or, you know, let it out to someone or had like ranted as we sometimes call it and to you like your bestie or your mom or whoever it is, a, a safe space, you feel better after it. Um, like you do, cause you let, you let those thoughts go. So where can we go to let our thoughts go, to let our feelings flow is really, really important. And I, it starts from the basis of that. I know I kind of took your question and ran with it, but <laughs> no, that was perfect. Thank you. That's definitely a really good point. I think I, I feel like 
personally, I know a lot of kids who, you know, tend to keep things bottled up if we're feeling something out of this fear of our reputation, this fear of like, you know, being vulnerable, like you mentioned. And so everything is just bottled up inside you. And it, it's just hard to walk around with that. You know, I definitely think it's important to communicate those with other people. Um, yeah. And so kind of, you know, thinking about triggers and then how connecting that with digital technology and digital well-being. Um, how do you think the way that social media is designed damages people's, I guess, mental health or their perception of themselves? Do you believe that social media has an influence on that? Uh, a thousand percent. <laughs> a thousand percent. Social media. <laughs> it knows what it's doing, you know. It's literally the top i i'm just gonna speak for instagram at this point because uh, i don't really that's the one i use the most instagram shows you the top three people that interact with your page the most um so like when you if you go view your story you put, let's say you post something on your story and the mm -hmm. top three people that you see are like in a chronological order it's not based off who sees it first it's based off who interacts with your post the most so oh. social media feeds you um you know who you interact with the most like those who, whose stories you see often i would have to scroll so many to maybe even see yours or see someone else um like it's designed to make you stay on it longer the things that you see are like oh my gosh she's so pretty um like it social media changes your perception on yourself and of other people and it it is known to trigger certain emotions and feelings based off who it sees interacts with you and who you interact with it the most. That's interesting. And now that I, I didn't know that, now that I think about it, I do look at, like, if I do go on Instagram, I do see, like, certain people only. When mm -hmm. I know I'm following more than those, like, maybe 10 people, those are the 10 people who I can, who I see, like, 90% of the time. Huh, I didn't know that. You got it. That's like, that's what we're here to talk about, Shivani. Like, that's, that's the basis of it all. Some people don't, e we don't even know. We don't even know that this is happening to us. And it happens every single day, all the time. And it's like, ah, and it's not our fault. It's not our fault. Yeah. I mean, I always thought that those people that we see are just like, whoever looks at it, but I didn't, I didn't realize that those people are interacting with my posts more. Cool. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Learning new things every day. Um, I think another thing that I wanted to chat about, just kind of particularly related to my perspective on social media, and I call it the conundrum of self-improvement because I'm extremely confused about it in general. And it's like, you know, self-improvement is, is great. And, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure that human nature is just sort of work on ourselves and get better and everything. Uh, but I feel like, you know, social media, YouTube videos, even in general, they, they tell us how to improve ourselves in ways that are kind of impossible, right? And so we have this unrealistic expectation of what we have to be. And what are your thoughts on, you know, the creation of those expectations? Yeah, but my first thought actually went to TikTok and there used to be a trend where it was this very monochrome active lifestyle where it was like a very, it was like a three, maybe 20 second video, but it had like 30 videos within that one video. And it's like working out, making coffee, making a smoothie, um, views of the city, 
the most perfect outfit, like going for a walk, buying flowers, like all in one. And that's like, y'all, is this realistic? Like, do we actually work out, buy flowers, take a shower and paint our nails all in the same day all at once? Like, no, no. And it's just, my brain went to that and it's it's the self-care, the self-care, the self-care, self-help generalization has been very much, oof, like, I don't even know the word to describe it, but it's like, yeah. it's just not realistic. Like, that's not how we take, like, sometimes self-care looks like brushing my teeth when I don't want to, like, that's self-care, or like, washing my face when I really don't feel like it, not like me going to buy new clothes, and working out, and getting a mani-pedi, and a face mask, like, on the same day, like, no, that's not realistic, you know? You know, I definitely needed to hear that. I definitely needed to hear that. Because, I mean, I, I feel like we see those all the time and it just changes our perspective. Uh, another thing that I guess I have to remember is it's these people's jobs as influencers. Like, that's what they do the whole day. They have to sort of curate their life to fit in people's interests. And so, I mean, if I had the whole day to do that, maybe I could. <laughs> but, you know, I'm a full-time student. I have work. I mean, we we have other components that are included in our lives where we just don't have the means to like do some of these things every single day which is kind of interesting right 100 percent. it's yeah we got to create more digestible real content because uh-huh. sometimes that's just it's just not it it's just not it we just need to take care of ourselves and it doesn't look like your typical tiktok influencer day in the life <laughs> Yeah, well, thank you so much for chatting with me today, Layla. That was great. Um, do you have any closing remarks or any anything that you want to end with related to maybe some advice for our viewers? Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me and taking the time to sit down. And I really, I really appreciated our conversation here today. And hopefully those of you listening gain something, can walk away with some advice, whether that's, hey, be vulnerable today. It's okay that you're not alone. Um, it's okay to ask for help. Uh, it doesn't make you weak. Speaking up about how you feel is important. I will always be an advocate for speaking up, for using your voice because you were given a voice and you should speak up and let other people know how you feel. We can't read your minds, but if you speak up, you know, someone's willing to listen and the people who brush you off aren't your people. Um, the more you are yourself, the more you find other people who will be supportive of yourself but you got to come out of your shells. You got to shine. Let us, let us see you because there's no one else to be, but you and you're beautiful. And ah, there's so many things I could tell you, but if you're to walk away with one thing, just know that you're beautiful and it's okay to ask for help and speak up because that's how you find your people also. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Layla. I appreciate it. And thank you to all our viewers. We will see you guys next time.